Welcome to the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, featuring stellar conversations with emerging and established Wickedly Smart Women. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate women who are committed, care deeply, and have the courage to take action and create conscious change all around the world. Now here's your Wickedly Smart host, Angel B. Hartwell. Welcome to another episode of the Wickedly Smart Women podcast, where we celebrate wickedly smart women and provide our listeners with a wealth of wisdom, along with immediately actionable steps to be smarter, spunkier, and more successful in their impact and their leadership. This is your host, Angel B. Hartwell, and today we welcome our very special guest, Treste Loving. She is president and founder of the Institute for Racial Equity a law enforcement training program dedicated to improving race relations between law enforcement professionals and their communities. With over 25 years of global expertise, Treste utilizes her military experience, 26 years in the U.S. Navy, and dynamic speaking style to dismantle unconscious biases and stereotypes, combating discriminatory and prejudiced behaviors from the root. The result? Lasting organizational improvements, including an end to profiling tendencies. What a gift it is to have you here with us today, Trustee. Thank you so much. Thank you, Angel. It's my pleasure. Well, you know, having you here in 2020, this is when we're recording at the end of 2020, it has been a hell of a big year of exposure, you know, 2020 vision, we have definitely seen on a grand scale, the level of the problem that exists in policing, and in communities. And I'm just overwhelmed with excitement that you're here today, because I would imagine that you are incredibly, incredibly busy. (laughs) Yes, I am just a little bit. Yeah. So I'd love to have you start Treste by talking about what inspired you to found the Institute for Racial Equity. Well, my 26 years in the Navy really got me started. I spent about half of that time working with diversity, inclusion, and racial equity. And I found out that I really loved it. I found out that I had a knack for teaching it. So I said, well, when I get out, since I've been working for Uncle Sam for 26 years, I think I'll try something for myself. And so I decided to go into business for myself. And the Institute for Racial Equity uh, was a brainchild between me and an old mentor. And so we talked about it. And so we thought it was a good idea that I do it. And that's why I'm here. And that's why the Institute is where it is. It's available. Mm, Beautiful. Well, I want to talk about why you specifically chose law enforcement as the area where you really wanted to focus your attention, because the whole issue of racial equity, it's, you know, permeating in all industries and across all sectors of the economy. But this particular area of law enforcement is, I think it's where it's like where the flashpoint is that is most visible and most dangerous 
you know, life threatening for people of color. So what inspired you specifically to choose law enforcement as the focus for your work? Well, there were a couple of things. One is when I was in the Navy, I worked with our Navy law enforcement people on diversity and race issues. I also worked with Naval Criminal Investigation Service for that, better known as NCIS. So I had some background in that, and it seemed to be the most rewarding of everything that I'd ever done. So I saw, just like everyone else, you see the news, we see what's going on, we see what's happening, and and I just wanted to do something uh, because I knew I was capable of doing something. So I just wanted to do something to make a, a positive impact and not be a negative person with uh, training the officers because they get a lot of that now. And so I knew I could do that. So that's why I chose law enforcement. Beautiful. So I'd love to have you talk a little bit about some of the clients, uh, the you know, law enforcement agencies that have hired you and maybe give us a few of the success stories that you've been able to precipitate out of the training that you offer. Okay. Well, I work with sheriff and police departments. And my first training was actually with a sheriff's department down in uh, Northern Virginia. I used to live down there. So I was familiar with that agency. And so we decided that I would do an all day training with them since I was traveling down there and to make it worth my while. And it was incredible because in one room I had people who were rookies who had just been on the job less than a year. And I had 30 plus year veterans in the room. So that's always kind of tricky to figure out, well, where am I going to go? How am I going to do this? I don't want to overtalk the rookies, but I also don't want it to be boring for the detectives who've been in, you know, 30 plus years. So I came up with a game plan because I knew that was going to be this case already. And what I try to do, and I had to do the same thing in the Navy when I trained on this because I had new sailors and older sailors in the same room, that I would come to them from a place of, I'm not sure they know everything that I know, so I'm not going to assume that. So I'm not going to assume the older people know what's going on, the older folks. So I came from the uh, perspective of, I will not talk down to them, but I will make sure I educate them. And that's what I do. I educate people. And one of my success stories out of there was, first of all, they they said that they expected something different for my training than what they got. And I, I took that as a compliment because that's what I try to do to make sure that happens. And one of the success stories was a rookie who had lots of questions for me, both during the class and when we were on breaks, we talked quite often. And she was kind of lost with this diversity and this race thing. She was thinking that maybe she got into the wrong line of work and that this wasn't for her because she didn't think that the things that were going on were fair to Blacks. So we, she and I talked and we talked about the difference that she could make. She sees an issue and she acknowledges there's an issue 
And all she needed to do was to commit to making a change. And I heard from her about six months later, and she was thriving. She uh, loved her job. She's glad that she stayed in her job. And she was making a difference on her in her sheriff's department. Beautiful. Can you tell us, was she a person of color or was she a white person? Yes, she was. No, she was a young black girl. Okay. And so she had been, she was kind of questioning whether she was in the right place because she was on the receiving end of some racial issues or? What she'd seen in the news was Mm -hmm. one. And two, yes, she had suffered some, she said minor, and she didn't really go into it and I didn't press her, some minor racial issues with the department. So she was kind of, like I said, disillusioned and not sure if her decision was the correct decision. Understood. Well, you know, this has, as I mentioned at the beginning, been a huge year with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and just, I can't even remember all the names of the people who have been engaged with law enforcement to their detriment and to their death. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of the things that I've seen. I mean, I don't know what I don't know, right? But some of the things that I've seen in the news are issues of people who carry these beliefs of white supremacy infiltrating law enforcement. And so I'm curious if you have experienced that, if you see that, and if there's a part of your body of work that supports the yeah, discovery of that within agencies and how to deal with that. Sure. Well, first, I'd like to travel back like I usually do. My experience in the Navy was I couldn't ask for a better experience. And I dealt with extremists and racists in the Navy. And that's how I kind of cut my teeth. I talked to them one on one. They weren't too happy about it initially because they were like, well, you know, I don't like you because you're one of them. It was a challenge initially, but I found a way to connect with them, even though they didn't like me for the way I looked. And one young man, he was only 18 years old, and it was a shame he was 18 and he already had this hate in his heart for people who didn't look like him. But he and I discovered we liked some of the same music, we liked some of the same movies, and we like doing some of the same hobbies. So at the beginning, it was tense. And then it ended up being we started laughing with each other. And at the end of it, I said, did you think that you would be laughing with me when you first walked in here? And he said, no. So I had made an impression on him that how he was socialized or how he was brought up, that Blacks may be a certain thing. Is not true for all Blacks. And you can't paint such a broad stroke for a group of people because in every group of people, there are some great people and there are some not so great people. So it's not really what they look like. It's what they're built about. That was one how I got started. Now, yes, I know there is some racist and extremist activity in police departments and sheriff departments across the country. And not all the cases where a black person was killed by a white person, not all those were actually based on something racist. It comes out that way in the news. They play that up. But that does not mean that that person had extreme views about race. 
And that's one thing I try to teach everyone too. It's like, once again, you can't say everyone who is a certain color or a certain ethnic group is racist because we're all racist. So I deal with them the same way that I dealt with the young men on the ship. I would talk to them about extremist activities. I would let them know that I'm aware that there could be somebody in this room right now who doesn't look like me for the way I look only. And that this is how you got there. And these are some things you can do to try to get yourself out of that thinking. And for those who've been on the earth for a little while, it's a little bit harder for them to actually change their perspectives, but it can be done. And I did it with the young kids, so I know I can do it with just about anyone. Beautiful. Well, I heard a lot in there that I want to pick up on after we come back from the break. But the main thing that I want to just underscore for our listeners that I heard is that you have the approach of really finding commonality rather than highlighting divisiveness, rather than highlighting that. But you're not afraid to acknowledge that that mindset exists and that the real work is actually helping people to change their minds. Mm -hmm. So your work is really to help people change their minds before they become so closed hearted that it actually creates more heartache in the world for everyone. Yeah. Yes. My intention to when I go into training, I, it's hard to change people's minds. Like I said, they've had a mindset for years. They were taught by family members or by friends or whatever. So they truly want, they believe that in their mind. What I like to do is try to change their perspective, to look at a situation from a different viewpoint, from a different lens. Mm. And that's where I found that I've been my most productive and my most helpful. All right, Weekly Smart Women, we need your help. If you're enjoying this show and want us to stay on the air, please consider making a donation at www.wickedlysmartwomen.com. And I do invite you to go to that website and sign up for our mailing list as well when you get there, because we are in the process this coming year of building out our community. And we will send you information about where you can connect with us on Facebook, as well as where you can connect with us to get access to our store, where we're going to be creating this year some fun things like t-shirts and coffee mugs and journals so that you can get your wickedly smart woman on and proclaim yourself proudly. So please do go visit the site and please also help a gal out and let your sisters, mothers, daughters, friends, and colleagues know about the show so that we can serve them too. I want to say a big thank you to all of our listeners who are downloading, rating, and reviewing. We're welcoming thousands of downloads from all over the world. And I want to shout out this week to our listeners in Switzerland, Ecuador, and Malaysia. And we will be right back with Trust A Loving. The Wickedly Smart Women podcast is brought to you by the Wealthy Life Mentor. Women, are you on the edge knowing that life is calling you to make a change? Are you ready to be part of the evolution of what it means to be a wickedly smart woman creating your wealthy life by design, a life that is an extraordinary work of art? 
Angel B. Hartwell, the Wealthy Life Mentor, is hired by women in transition. Women just like you who want to break through to their brilliance, become clear on the value of their wisdom, and embody a beauty-filled, balanced life of shameless self-expression. Discover your Wealthy Life readiness by taking the quiz at quiz.wealthylifementor.com. And we are back with Trust Loving. And I want to let you know that you can get in touch with Trust at her site, www.tiredofhate.com. And we will have that for you in the show notes. And Trust I'm guessing that you are open to being booked to speak as well as being hired. Do you help individuals as well, or are you primarily focused on the law enforcement agencies around the country and, and then maybe doing some public speaking or paid speaking? Tell us a little bit about your business, like your business model. My primary is law enforcement professionals. However, I've worked with Southwest Airlines on similar issues. So I work with big organizations as well because they need it just like everyone else needs it. And of course, I work with individuals like I did in the Navy. I work with individuals to try to help them just change their perspective about the way they think about people and maybe the way they treat people and they can start treating people a little bit better. And so, so I do organizations. I do law enforcement. I do help individuals. And finally, yes, I do speaking engagements. I like to speak to any crowd and it's not, you know, you don't have to be some specific crowd. I speak to any crowd because I, like I said, I find that there are people in that crowd who need to hear this and I want to be the one who can impact them because I believe I can. Yeah. Beautiful. So trustee, do you have like a specific kind of signature body of work or system that you take people through? You take organizations through when you are working with them or like points that you always want to make sure that you make when you're speaking to help people to change their perspective and wake up? Yes, I do. And the first one, and I think the most important one is to talk about socialization or how we become who we are. Uh, Some people, you know, they just say, well, that's the way I was brought up. Well, that's socialization. But I take them a little bit deeper into socialization where we actually look at how parents actually got their viewpoints, where they're getting their information from, and how they're impacting a child as a child. Uh, We learn a lot before we're seven. We have a lot of things that we're already set on by the time we're seven years old. And I tell people that too. And some of them don't believe me, but I take them through an exercise and then they're like, yeah, you're right. I did. But I, I bring that up just to show them that, yes, you've had this for a long time, but it's never too late to change your perspective about something or someone. And I also talk about ways that they can bridge the gap, bridge the difference. For instance, if they don't hang out with anyone who doesn't look like them, well, maybe they should start. And it's really easy to start. They may be nervous. They may think, I don't even know what to say. I'll say the wrong thing. This will go badly. But I help them with what they can say, the things that they can talk about. 
and help them actually like out the door to say, you can do this. So go do this. Uh, I try to prop them up the best I can as I'm going through the training. Sounds like you're the head cheerleader for <laughs> for helping people to shift their perspective. So I want to ask you a couple more questions, and I'm trying to decide which way I want to go. I think I want to start, Treste, with asking you about what it's like for you to have your own business, because that's one of the things that the Wickedly Smart Women listeners, you know, a lot of them are, they do have their own business. They're interested in the business side of things. So how long have you been doing this? And can you talk a little bit about, you know, besides the racial inequality issues that you, you deal with, are there any other challenges that you've come across personally as a result of being in business, you know, maybe getting financing or just getting deals to be made or any of those things? We'd love to have you talk a little bit about the business side of your business. Absolutely. Glad to. Well, I've been doing this business type thing for myself for about 10 years. And I started out doing various things, but it was always around race and diversity. So I've had different business names. I've had different business models. And one thing that I found out is that it takes some time. You know, it's not an overnight success thing. Now, some people may have done that. And that's just, you know, them, their business model, what they had to give to people. But that's not the majority of the people. So I, I kept at it. I didn't get discouraged. I didn't lose heart. I said, I can do this because I knew who I was inside. And that's a big thing to know who you are. You know, you know who you are. Other people may not know who you are. Other people might tell you who they think you are, but you know who you are. So stick with who you are because you're more than enough mm. for anyone out here. That's and some trouble there, some challenges, shall I say, was some financing initially. And that was uh, some things had to do with about me being a woman, about me being a solopreneur. And some of the things actually ended up being a little bit racial. Those are the challenges that I had, but I kept going. I kept fighting through it and I financed myself a lot. And that was kind of hard to do, but I did it anyway because I believed in myself and I believed in my mission and I believed in how I could affect the world. And that's what you women need to do. Just believe in yourself know who you are, know that you're more than enough. And there may be some challenges, but you can definitely get through them. I love it. Beautiful, Trustee. So I want to ask you about, you know, before we went to the break, you mentioned that there's been a lot in the news that the news paints it as all racially motivated. But, you know, it was an interesting point that you made that, Sometimes some of these incidents, there was more going on. So it was like taken out of context. I would really love to hear your take on, are we making progress? You know, I think for a lot of people, especially those who do want to see greater diversity, greater acceptance, greater equality across the board for, you know, women, for people of color, for the indigenous people, those of us who I would call are the big hearted people, right? 
In the last year, it was just such a challenge to see repeatedly so many, and it's not just been the last year, it's been the last four years, so many things that we thought we had made progress on <laughs> being exposed as they have been over the course of, of this time frame in the news. So I'd love to hear your, like you have your finger a lot closer to the pulse of the reality, I think. And I'd love to hear your vision and your take on where we really are and what we actually have left to do to be able to get to that place where, you know, we're all more loving. Yes. Well, that's an excellent question. And thank you for asking me. I love to talk about this part. We have made progress. It's probably not the amount of progress that some of us want to see. And some of us are in denial that we've made absolutely no progress. You know, we're the same as we were 400 years ago. And if that were true, I wouldn't be here with you tonight. Mm. So obviously we have made some progress, but also we do have some more progress to go. And that is not only on white folk, but it's also on black folk and other people of color that we need to stop judging each other just by how we look. I know it's hard, and I always say never judge a book by its cover, so never judge anyone by their cover, be it female, male, transgender, doesn't matter what it is. Never judge them just by their cover because you have no idea what they have going on inside of them and something that could help you out and help you change perspective and help you make more progress yourself. As I said earlier, Everyone's racist. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but some black people say they can't be racist because they don't have power. And what they're doing is confusing racism with discrimination. And discrimination is where you're treated differently because of the way you look and people have power to withhold rewards, withhold uh, moving up the ranks, those types of things. So we all need to come to that understanding. We're all racist. And I think once we can really truly believe that and understand that, we can get past a lot of things that we're going through right now. Beautiful. Well, we are at the end, Trustee. It's always swift when we do these interviews. And I'm just so grateful for you for doing the work that you're doing, for bringing your perspective and your illumination into this area and for being a, a wickedly smart woman who's, you know, also persisting in her business and moving herself forward and, and continuing to make progress. I think, I think the main thing I want to take out of our interview today is this idea of we do need to acknowledge that even if it's a tiny little inchy step <laughs> that we have to keep moving and we have to remind ourselves that we are in motion and we are moving in a direction for a greater, more loving, more just robustly enjoyable world for all of us. So I love your loving, Treste. Thank you so much for being here. And listen, Angel, I really appreciate it. I really do. All right. Had a good time.
Thank you. And listeners, we do love feedback. Please let us know what you thought of today's show by calling into our listener line. We'll have that in the show notes or send in questions or guest suggestions to listeners at wickedlysmartwomen.com. We might even give you a shout out on the show. Thanks for tuning in. Keep your ears open. And remember, you are a wonderful woman. Thanks for tuning in, downloading and listening. Be sure to rate and review Wickedly Smart Women on Apple Podcasts and share with other women who can benefit from today's episode. Wickedly Smart Women is the premier podcast series for informing, activating, and inspiring the leader who carries profound wisdom and knows that now is the time to welcome wealth. We welcome your feedback and guest suggestions and invite you to subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of each new episode at wickedlysmartwomen.com.